No matter, no matter where you are, see, I don't, know, I don't know what I thought was funnier about the video, that we caught the cop on camera, or if you, if you want to go back and, re, and, and re-watch that, you can YouTube that, cop dancing in a, in a convenience store or whatever. Um, we actually got that on film at Huck's on the east side of town. In, no, we didn't. We, but, but, but I'm not sure which, what was funnier, if it was, if it was watching the cop dance, and, and I, I, have, I have let you know that if you pass me on the road and I'm drinking like a water bottle or something and I get done with the water bottle, everybody knows that this empty turns into a drumstick. So you can play the drums and, and I have had people give me some pretty odd looks going down the road. But beyond the fact that he was dancing, beyond the fact that we caught him, he looked at the camera like three times. Like he knew that security camera was there. And he kept doing it. I didn't, so I didn't know. I'm like, well, did he do this on purpose? But um, I wonder if any of us have, have been like this guy and, uh, and we've, we've gotten caught doing something. Before we get into today's message, my name is Matt Griswold. Um, I do lead worship. Uh, here at Connection. We'd like to welcome you here. This morning, Jack Bain led, and uh, our, the pastor that preaches the very much majority of the time is Mike Davis. And uh, we just want to take the time to thank you for coming, uh, enjoying this facility with us, and, and hanging out. And I uh, uh, hope you enjoyed some coffee and, and popcorn before. You got to know everybody in the First Impressions area. If you want to take your message map, or your, the worship handout, okay? Worship handout, if you unfold it and you see the Connection... On this side, look on the inside. I'm looking for the inside middle page. Inside middle page. Now, this is something to read later. Not now. I'm preaching. Don't get caught. <laughs> See what I did there. Okay. On the top of it says, what we do speaks louder than what we say. You have time later. Read that. Not now. The second underlined uh, big... Um, Bold print down here says, Connection is thinking about creating another worship service. Just read that at your own time, okay? Um, we are going to be in the book of John today. So if you have your Bible, flip to the New Testament. Uh, if you don't know where John is, you can go to the, the front of every Bible. We'll have a table of contents. I keep a paper clip on mine, so you can flip right to it and give you a page number. If you have a Bible like mine, we're going to be on page 868. If you have a New Testament from the hallway, it's going to be on page 84. But while we get, while we get ready, I want to talk about an instance, and you can go back to the, the blank screen, uh, but while we, while we get ready to do this, I want to tell you a story about when I got caught. Now, some of you younger people, younger than me, you're not going to get this, okay? But there used to be this real, and there was some stuff before that, but when I grew up, this, is it. This, was, this was it, okay? There used to be this little gray box, about this big, and it had a lid, and you put games in it, and you push it down, and you close it, and you push power, and half the time it didn't work, so you pull the game out, and you go, <laughs> see, everybody knows what I'm doing, and they smack it, and they put it back in, the, it's called a Nintendo, the original. My people, do we have some Nintendo likers? Okay, yes. All right. Now, Nintendo at my house. First of all, we got it five years after everybody else did, okay? And I remember on, on Christmas, my, my sister and I opened that up and we're like, yes, Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt. Um, my little girl just turned five today, Emma, and, um, and it took her, I, I had her play Duck Hunt, not, I don't know, a couple months ago. I talk, they have the Nintendo zapper, the gun, it goes, whoosh, whoosh, okay, everybody knows, you're laughing because you're, you're, you understand, that's what it sounds like. And you shoot the ducks that come up, and everybody knows that you can cheat in that game by putting the gun closer to the TV. See, these are my people. (laughs) It took Emma about 40 seconds to realize the closer she gets, oh, I can kill all these ducks if I get close. And And my wife said, you're teaching the girl how to cheat. I said, I believe that every kid should learn how to cheat in duck hunt. But back to my childhood age, when I was probably 9 or 10, okay, and we just got the Nintendo, and for some reason, my sister was not home, uh, and I was, or maybe she was playing somewhere else, maybe we had a baby, I don't know the whole logistics of this, but I was playing the Nintendo. But Matt was not supposed to be playing the Nintendo. 
My, I do know for a fact my parents were not home. They were due home at a certain time, and I had plenty of time before they would come home. So I thought. And um, I'm playing Nintendo, and I'm, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this game, beat this game. And all of a sudden, I heard gravel outside. Okay, my sister's younger than me. I was nowhere near getting my license, okay? We either have company, or my parents are early. <laughs> so I did what all responsible kids would do if, the, if this was you. I shut the TV off. <laughs> I was supposed to be doing laundry, and I tried to do as much laundry as I could in 30 seconds and folding it. <laughs> had the TV off, had everything off. No, there was no sound. I'm just folding laundry. My mom and dad walk in. Now I'm a parent. I, I understand. Okay? And they go, <laughs> my dad goes, why is the Nintendo light on? I'm like, oh, I didn't push power. Yeah, I didn't push the power button. Have you, uh, that's pretty lighthearted, okay? In my mind, I understood that when my dad saw the power light in my house, this was not going to end well. I knew there was consequences for me not doing what I should. So, I wonder if you've ever been there. Now, Nintendo is pretty lighthearted. And what we're going to talk about today is, is a million miles from leaving a Nintendo on. But it's the same thing. Do you know what the guilt and shame feels like in your life when you get caught? Maybe you've done some stuff illegally and you got caught. There are consequences for the things that we do. More times than not, in my life, it's, it's things that are inward that I do that the Holy Spirit catches me and said, you shouldn't be doing that. And I feel the guilt when I come to God. I say, God, I'm so sorry. I On my way to church this morning, I was just... You ever have one of those mornings you wake up and you're just physically, mentally, and spiritually happy to just be alive and I was driving, and I was enjoying the beautiful sunshine that we have outside. It's almost fall for you hunters and me. And uh, so I was driving, I was just thankful to be alive. And, and my prayer this morning was, was for you as well. But I, I, I told God this morning, I said, God, I am so thankful that you can use somebody that has messed up like I have in this life. I'm so thankful for that. Where would I be if God couldn't use me? I'd have no, I'm no purpose. Maybe you're there. Maybe that's some of the stuff that you struggle with in life. This morning we're going to deal with chapter 8, verse 1. If you want to go to that slide. So page 84 in the New Testament, page 868 in my Bible. Chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Okay, Mount of Olives. Uh, time to go into this, but Mount of Olives was a place, a prayer garden that Jesus would go to to be by himself. He understood the importance of being by himself, having a relationship with his Father in heaven. Do you like to get alone and talk to God? I talked to a lady this morning. She said, hey, congratulations. You start this week at your new job at, at Wayne City at school, and I'm extremely thankful for that. And I said, you know what? The cool part about that is the 15-minute drive from my house to school and then from my school to back home gives me a really chance to just chill before I see my family, uh, cool down if I had a bad day, or crank some praise and worship music and play the drums like I like to on my way home. And I said, that, that gives me an alone time to just talk to God. Jesus understood the importance of having a time that he himself... Now, you're talking about a guy that is perfect, and he desired to have an alone time to talk to God. What does that say about us that are not? But he goes on in verse 2. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. Jesus came back to the temple to teach again. The text says early in the morning. They're talking about dawn. Okay, We're talking about very, 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 very early. And there were some men. They did not like what Jesus was teaching about at all. They wanted a way that they could trap this guy that so they could tell on him, so they could have him punished, banished, killed. We, they just wanted rid of him. They wanted to catch Jesus in a circumstance. The cop was caught by a security camera dancing to Michael Jackson. 
He had no idea. I don't think he knew anything unless he looked at the camera. I, I, I don't know that he knew. Okay? But think about this. These Pharisees, these, these religious people, these teachers, were going to try to catch Jesus, a guy that knows everything, in a trap. Because they thought they knew everything. It goes on. It says, A crowd soon gathered as he sat down and he taught them. Jesus again has the crowd around him. Mike mentioned last week, my favorite terminology for Jesus is he is a rock star. Okay? Has anybody ever been to, uh, let's see, ever, anybody ever seen a group, uh, Metallica in concert, Def Leppard in concert, Kiss in concert, Hillsong United in concert, somebody absolute, that's, that's a big, big band. If the Duck Dynasty guys walked in here this morning, I wouldn't be the only guy running over to get autographs, okay? I wouldn't. But Jesus is bigger than that. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd. There were people that just wanted to touch him, to see him, to talk to him. He's teaching truth. Here's what we get from that. When Jesus teaches truth, all of a sudden in the scripture, we see that he becomes a magnet. How do we know that that's true? Because he was teaching the truth. If you have a friend and you're there to listen to them, that friend is more apt to come back to you the next time they have a problem. Jesus is providing understanding for what they're wanting to have understood. They get, people are tending to gather around people who are authentic with them. As we live and love like Jesus, that's what connection says. But other than that, Jesus at this temple was teaching people, and he was going to continue to teach people this morning how to relate to people. We will notice that he doesn't use the word condemnation. He doesn't speak down to this person that we're getting ready to meet. How do you show your authenticity to relate to people? Now, Jesus is at the temple. He's going to have to find a different way to do this. But how, how are you authentic? My neighbors think my wife and I are absolutely insane because we open up our house from 2 to 4 on Sunday afternoon, then we have all these kids and young adults come over to our house. And they're inside. Inside. If it's a nice day, we'll go outside. But inside, our, our neighbors will come up to us. How many people did you have in your house yesterday? Well, it doesn't matter. Everybody really don't count. No, but they are, they're in your house. They don't get... They don't get it. I said, man, they were in our house. Um, we cooked food for them. Um, if they have to use the bathroom, they use ours. Um, if they absolutely needed to, I mean, we could, they could use anything in our house, a shower, whatever they needed. And my neighbor's just sitting there. I could never do that. How sad, I think. How sad. They, they're missing out. How do you do that? Do you fellowship together in a small group? Do you have people over? Do you go out for a Coke? When someone we know is going through a hard time in life, authenticity is crucial. We're supposed to be there for them, listen to them, and be that person that they need. It goes on in, in verse 3. <clears throat> After he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. The act is probably not underlined in your Bible. I put that in there. I don't want you to have any question about what we are talking about here. Jesus is teaching. Okay? Much like this scenario, although they were probably sitting on the ground and he was probably sitting down too. He may have been standing and weaving through them. But these guys wanted to trap Jesus, so this is how the stage is set for the trap. Okay? These men... Jesus is teaching at dawn. So these guys got up before that, and it says they caught a woman in the act of adultery. In the act of adultery. At most, this woman probably had a sheet on, maybe. It would be like somebody bur bursting through these doors with a woman that they caught having an adultery, and they threw her in the front of everyone. She had been caught in something that had consequences. In that day, a consequence to adultery is you get to get hit with rocks until you die. And I don't say that in a joking manner. It was an absolutely awful way to die. But they had 
to plan this. These guys were getting up early if they even went to bed, all to try to trap Jesus. Can you imagine? Maybe you felt this, maybe you felt this deep pain. Maybe when this, when this lady was thrown down, I don't want us to miss this right here. When this lady was thrown down in front of those people, I want you to think about this. Think about the, the stuff in your life that you felt like this. Can you imagine the shame that she felt? Can you imagine just the unbelievable feeling that I can never have any relationship with anybody else here because they all know everything. They know what I've done. The video that we watched before the sermon said this. There was a lady that was making an excuse to not come to church and she said, if you knew half the stuff I've done, you wouldn't want me in church. And the guy answers back, I believe he's a pilot, and he answers back, he says, if you knew half the stuff that I've done, you wouldn't be worried. At Connection, we are a place that we understand that everybody has a past. But we're not into that. We want to see, and we're very interested in, where you're going. Everybody has one of these. But can you imagine the helplessness, the hopelessness, being so alone? Her being there just, just reeks of aloneness. Just, she can't talk to anyone. She'd been caught. If you look in your worship handout, there's some blanks to fill in. It says, what kind of things can we get caught in? See, some of us think that the things that we, are, that we do, we can just do and they don't have any consequences. You think, what's the worst can happen? What is the worst that can happen if I do this? So what if I get mad? What if I drink too much? What if I don't treat my mate like I should? We may not express it on the outside, but those things take a toll on us inside. And you can take the hardest hearted person and you can talk to them about the things that they did and they can put on a facade of just steel and rock, and there's nothing wrong with me. But inside, we are all made up of the same stuff. And they understand the shame. They understand the hurt. They understand the hopelessness and helplessness. It goes on in verse 4. Teacher, they said. <laughs> oh boy. They come to this guy. They come to Jesus. They throw this lady down in front. And then they say, Teacher. Giving him respect. Okay. Teacher, they said, This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. If anywhere in Scripture this would be appropriate, I think it would have been appropriate for Jesus to look at those guys and go, Duh. They just bring this lady in. Can you imagine her screaming? We read over this far too quickly. Just imagine that scenario. If you saw The Passion of the Christ, they did a little scene on this. It was very short, but but it grabbed this for a little bit in the movie. Can you imagine what she felt like? But in verse 4, notice that they call Jesus teacher. They were using a name that Jesus' followers would have used. These guys do not want to be any part of Jesus' followers, yet they want to catch him. So they use a name that his followers would have done. Remember that they were trying to trick him. They had caught this woman doing something she shouldn't be doing, something punishable by death in that day. The fact that the lady was naked was not a news flash to anyone about what she had been caught doing. But when we read here, it says, Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. We do not see anywhere in Scripture, nor the translation of the Greek in this phrase, in this verse, 
that Jesus said anything to refute their claim. Not one thing. They get the lady. They throw her down. This lady's been caught in the act of adultery. Jesus is probably like, yeah, it looks that way. That's it. There's, there's no... He can see everything that everybody else can. The shame, the pain, the hurt. She was guilty. Have you been there? Have you been with that big G word hanging over your head? It says, Matt, or your name, you are guilty and you have been caught of this. It goes on in verse 5. These gentlemen are very, very quick to say this. The law of Moses, Jesus, says that we should stone her. But what do you say? Here's the trap. The Pharisees follow the book of Moses. Okay, The law. Been followed for a long time. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Okay, The Son of Man has come to earth. And Jesus is now speaking about a relationship that you can have that doesn't involve following all the laws of Moses. It's different. The law of Moses said you should stone her, but what do you say, Jesus? If Jesus agreed with the guys, then he would be going against his teaching of love and compassion. Would he not? We're supposed to love everyone. So have compassion on them. We sang, might save. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs forgiveness. If Jesus went against these men, he would be going against the law of Moses, which was the same as the law of God. So he was in a paradox here. I can do this, and they can find me guilty of doing this. I can do this, and they'd find me guilty in doing this, or I would lose credibility in that. Which is easier for us to do? When we see that person, when we see that person, which is easier for us to do? Help the person with the issue or walk away? Help the person or do we try to disregard that person and just avoid the situation altogether? Jesus does this. He gets his hands dirty for the sake of love. In the midst of her sheer, utter shame and guilt and tears and nakedness, this woman was met where she was by the Savior of the world. She was on the bottom of the barrel. She had spent everything she had. Everything was going to be taken. Her life, possibly. No hope. If we want to act like Jesus is, Jesus did, and meet those people, sometimes it's easier for us to just do this. To avoid the situation altogether. But I don't think that we understand the opportunities that we miss out on. The stories of God renewing people's life. If you want to understand about people's lives being changed, talk to me after church. I will give you the names of some people in our church, a person that I have permission to do this with. I'll say, you go talk to this person, and you ask them if God has changed their life. And that person will tell you, when I started at Connection, or I started meeting with someone, or I started, when I had my old life, I was this way. And because some people got their hands dirty, and they showed me the love of God, and they showed me how to live in love like Jesus, you should see them now. They are truly a trophy for God. One of those people you're probably looking at right now. Because I don't think greatly about myself. But I've been taught that what I think about myself is not the way that God thinks about me. And maybe that's an issue that you have. We go on in verse 6. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. 
But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, in the Passion of the Christ, in the movie, I didn't show it today, but if you've seen that, this part is on there. This is one of the greatest mysteries by theological studiers, people that study the Bible. This is one of the biggest things that they try to translate languages to find out what he wrote. And the truth of the matter is, we will never know exactly. But it says this. It says, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. This is the only time in the New Testament it talks about Jesus writing. Some people think he scribbled in the dirt. There's some theological people that think he scribbled in the dirt because Jesus was really kind of embarrassed at the whole situation. And he's just kind of like doodling in the, in the, in the dirt. Other people think that Jesus knelt down. You're talking about the Savior of the world. He knows everything. Jesus kneels down. Some people think this. He knelt down in the dirt. And he looked at all the accusers, or the guys that have thrown this lady down. Notice he doesn't look at the condemned first. He kneels down, probably facing them, and he kneels down, and he begins to write in the dirt. And a lot of what the theological studiers have, have think is, he was looking at guys that were passing judgment. You're talking to the Savior of the world. There is no judgment to be passed on him. So he looks over to them, and he begins to write their sins in the dirt. Now, imagine you're one of the accused guys or girls. You throw this person down, ha! Do to or what you want to, Jesus, but we're going to trap you somehow. And all of a sudden, the Savior of the world stands up and looks at you in front of everyone. Can you imagine? He's writing one. He's like, oh, yep, that was you. And he's going to do this. That was you. And he's going here. Now, he didn't do it. He didn't do it with an ego. What he was doing is he was trying to let them understand that we are all on the same level. Yes, she was caught. But what about the way that you treat your mate? What about the way that you treat your children? What about the time that you don't spend with your kids? What about the the things that you could be doing? Jesus was trying to say, listen. You are on the same level as this lady, although you don't see it that way because you think adultery or the big sin is bigger than the small sins. They all start with the same letter. Jesus just calmly takes in the situation. He bends down and he begins writing. writing. Here's my question to you. Does Jesus know that this lady is guilty? Again, if there was a spot for it in the Greek, I think they would say, duh. Okay? This is, not, this is not rocket science. Okay, The lady was guilty. Does Jesus know that? Absolutely he knows that. It's very obvious of her sin. Sometimes our sin is not so throw it in front of everyone obvious. He doesn't judge her. He loves her. We go on reading in verse 7. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, here's the deal. Can you imagine? We're not told how long he writes. I mean, so he may, you know, just be like this and back up. and Let's start on this side now. And he stands up again. They want, they, Jesus, what are you going to do? Jesus, what are you going to do? Can you imagine if you're one of those guys, you're elbowing your buddy, and you're like, hey, he's already written my sins down. You should say something before he writes yours. <laughs> But he stands up and he goes on and says, all right, fine. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he just went back to his work. Verse 8. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. He was giving him an ultimatum. Okay, you guys, she's guilty. But you guys uh, over here, that threw her here, whoever doesn't have a sin, let it go. 90 mile an hour rock. Let it go. Go ahead. Jesus very tactfully calls them out. They have realized that zero of them can throw that rock. But, although Jesus 
could have very well written down. And we will never know, okay? I'm not, I'm not preaching to you as a theological scholar today, but here's the deal. The guys knew that they were with sin. Jesus didn't judge the woman, but He also didn't judge the condemners. Here she is, Jesus. Make a call. You know what? This lady committed adultery. That's a sin. You guys have sin in your life. He addresses it. He doesn't condemn them. He just stoops down and writes again. We have to understand that the God that we serve and we sing about is a God of love. He's not a God of condemnation. He's not. For a very long time, I thought He was. The only thing I saw, if I, have a piece, if I had a piece of poster board that was as big as that, as that wall right there, and I had one of those great big Sharpies, markers, and I went up to the middle and I made a little circle and I filled it in so there was a black dot in the middle. The first thing, if I ask you what you saw on that wall would be what? You would see the what? The dot. You wouldn't see the 99% of white around it, would you? See, for too long, I saw the black dot. God only sees me and He doesn't like what I'm doing. God doesn't like what I'm doing. He doesn't like... No. He has a problem if you're not doing things that He wants you to do. But we dwell on negative things. We dwell on the most negative things. And I'm just not the dad that I should be. You got up this morning. Redo. You get a new day. You get a new afternoon. You get a new hour. Redo. It's like sixth grade kickball. Anybody play kickball when they're in sixth grade? Alright, you didn't have my class because I teach PE. Okay, we play kickball. On game day, sometimes. And if, and if I was getting ready to kick, the person that was pitching would know how I like the ball to be rolled. Slow and bouncy. Now, why do you want it slow and bouncy? Because you want to catch it, that ball off the ground so you can booyah and send it. If you kicked it flat, sometimes you could kick the top of it, and it was just a ground ball out. And that's no, there's nobody that plays kickball for ground ball outs. Everybody wants to kick a home run. If you don't think that I'm telling the truth... Come to my PE class and just check it out. But he doesn't dwell on the negative. You get a redo. God comes with his love every time and he says, Matt, I understand. And he picks me up. I said, God, I'm so not good at this. And he goes, get up, we'll try again. I need your help, God. I'm not very good at this. Get up, let's try again. God's arms never get tired. I heard an unbelievable quote one time off a video that we watched here at church. And the guy's having a conversation with God and he says, God, I've let you down so much. And God responses, no you haven't. You were never holding me up. God, I've let you down so much. No you haven't. You were never holding me up. It would be easy to be one of the guys to pass condemnation and guilt onto somebody that they probably didn't know that well. But we take it real hard when this person becomes part of our family or somebody that we have a close relationship with or our mate or our, or our cousin or somebody that we are or one of our good friends. What if this lady had been your, your wife? or if you've switched the roles, your husband, or one of your kids. So when the punishment involves us, our family, or somebody close to this, we want the compassion. We want mercy. We want forgiveness. But if it's somebody that's outside our little circle, like it was with these guys, it was, condemn them, Jesus. Look, they broke the law. We sang the song again, Mighty to Save. Everybody needs compassion. I love that. I almost, get, I almost get emotional when I hear that because I said, yes, God, holy cow, I need this. Oh my gosh, I have no idea how you do the things that you do with people like me. I don't know. We all need the compassion, but my question is this, do you give it? That's 
the hard one. God, I'm sorry for what I did the other day. I was wrong. Get up, let's go do this again. Then the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, your attitude towards this person is wrong. You need to say you're sorry. Or you need to forgive them. Whoa. No, no, no. That involves something that's very difficult for me to do. We receive mercy. We receive compassion very easily. Giving it is the hard part. We're so quick to judge and scorn people for something they do. But when it involves our family, we suddenly switch gears and get on another planet of mad. And when that person, when that person that's hurt is our little girl or our, our son or our son-in-law or somebody close to us, we want those accusers to have mercy. I wonder what God is trying to tell us today through this word. It goes on in, verse, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I told you that our God is the God of of uh, of no condemnation. Paul writes this, he says, So, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What's that mean? It means this, if you have a relationship with God, God offers you by the confession of your sin, forgiveness. And sometimes in in my past in my life, it has been hourly that I've had to go to God and say, I did this again. I did this. I don't want to do this again, but I did this again. I need your mercy to fall on me. That that song is so unbelievable if you break down the lyrics. Paul gives us a great explanation of his story in this verse in Romans. There's no condemnation. Jesus is not a condemning God. He's a loving God. One who is worthy of our praise and our honor. Worthy of our praise as I sat here. Normally, I'm here. Normally, I get to see you. And, you, and, and we have people that, that love to show their honor and praise by closing their eyes when they sing. I like to close my eyes when I sing. And it's really hard to play the guitar with both my hands in the air, but I like doing that too. And I just, this morning, I just said, God, I'm so thankful to be here, and I'm so thankful that you are a God of love and that you show me the mercy for the stuff that I do. And I come to him, I said, God, I, I've done this again. I'm so thankful that my God doesn't say, I know. And you're back here for the 10,467th time. The Bible says if we confess our sin, out of the Bible, that God throws it as far as the east is from the west. I had no idea why they didn't use north and south. Why do you just pick east and west? If we travel from here, if we're in the center of the planet, we went directly north. There comes a point where you will eventually stand on exactly all due north. And everything around you is all south. There comes an end to that. There's an end to north and south. You can keep going east and never go west. It never ends. In your worship handout, I'd like you to fill this out. It says, we must watch ourselves that we do not condemn others. But take into account where we've been as well. A couple weeks ago, I shared with you that I have issues in my life, things that I work on. What God has allowed me to do is this. I still have to watch myself because I still have a problem in my mind of of things that I do wrong. But the take into account where we have all been I meet with some guys during the week and I say, and, and these guys come to me and they say, you know, you probably have no idea what it's like to be here in life. And I look at them with a very calm voice and say, you have no idea. And to some of their stuff I can relate well, some of I can't that well. But I use the stuff that God has brought me out of in, to put into their life to give what? To give hope. Our God is not a condemning God. God doesn't want to keep his foot on you. You stay down there. No. God wants us to live in forgiveness, live in his mercy, come up, forgive others. You know, by forgiving someone else, you know what that does to you? 
It offers a big word that they used in Braveheart, the movie Braveheart, a lot. Freedom. It gives you freedom. It goes on in verse 9. It says, when the accusers heard this, going back to verse 8, okay? Going back to verse 8, Jesus had just said, throw the rock, dude. You, but throw it if you don't have any sin. Jesus knew he was the only one standing there and the only one that had lived or ever will live that doesn't have sin. Did he know the answer to this question? kind of hard to play this game with a perfect person, okay? Jesus is showing them, he says this, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Now the crowd didn't go anywhere. That's the cool part. Do you think the crowd, by just seeing these words, do you think the crowd started to get this? And they realized that they weren't to be condemners. They were, they were to be lovers of people. The men who orchestrated the trap, the men who stayed up all night, found this woman, brought her to the temple, threw her in front of Jesus and the other people, were sitting there just waiting. They may have had rocks in their hands. Man, we are going to catch Jesus so much. And if he condemns this lady to die, we are gonna, excuse me, we're going to trip his followers up and they're not going to be able to follow him. There's rocks in their hands. And beginning with the older ones all the way to the younger ones, they begin to realize that they had sin in their life and they couldn't throw that rock and they began to walk away. The condemnation walked away and the lady was met with love. They realized, the guys realized it was impossible to rebuke Jesus for what he had spoken was true. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, later in this chapter, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We go on in verse 10 in chapter 8. Then Jesus stood up again. I don't imagine that there is any kind of noise going on. I think what these people had just seen with their eyes spoke millions of words. The guys had just walked away. They no longer wanted any part of this. Jesus stands up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? (laughs) Did Jesus know the men walked away? Yeah. (laughs) He's intelligent. (laughs) He's perfect. Did he know the answer to his own questions? But he asked him anyway. Why? Because he came to teach. He is telling and teaching her about the love and forgiveness that he was offering. In that moment, Jesus is offering this lady a second chance. Can you imagine getting straight up caught with something that would embarrass you to no end in this world, and you just suddenly have, the world knows. And the Savior of this world says, you messed up. I love you. Let me teach you a way that you can live in this life that I want to teach you about. And it's about love. And not condemning, but meeting people where they are and having a relationship with. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is the next one. Jesus had just asked, didn't even one stay to condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, watch. Whoa. L word, capital L. No, Lord. She understood. This dude is real. She said no. And Jesus said, neither do I. I don't condemn you, woman. I don't condemn you, man. I don't condemn you, Matt, for the way, that you, the way that you treat people and the way that you think about people and the way that you do this and the way that you do this. All I want you to do is I want you to come to me with your problem and 
pick you up. I'm going to go again. Will the lady ever sin again? Jesus just told her, go and sin no more. Is she perfect? No. Is she going to sin? Yes. He's meaning, live in love like me. She understood who Jesus was in that one, that one word. Jesus asked, did anybody stay to condemn you? No, Lord. I don't imagine that she has ever seen anything happen like what just happened face to face with all these people. If you have your worship hand out, the very last blank says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I want to give a big, giant, huge hand to the people that give their time and they sacrifice time to teach our little kids. In Kids Rock, and Baby Gap, and Twos and Threes, and Fours, and, and the list goes on and on. But the people that go back there, and, you, and, and, and sometimes you're going to be out of, I'm going to be out of worship. This verse... Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I heard about three weeks ago. From my oldest daughter who's five and my youngest daughter that's two. And it's our teachers that put into our kids Lydia looked at me, my youngest one, and says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. <sighs> if you want to talk about a dad falling unconscious, I don't know if I was, but it was pretty close. If you want to talk about a huge hug, she can't hug me that tight. I'm pretty sure that hug was coming from God saying, do you have any idea what the people in your church that sacrifice their time are doing? They are molding these kids and they're teaching these kids that nothing can separate them from the love of God. That's what Jesus was teaching to this lady that day. My dad lives over in Crossville, but he grew up in Fairfield. And my grandma was a very loving lady that um, made a very dramatic impact on me. Lydia's middle name is Rose. That was my grandma's name. Um, my sis- one of my sister's daughters has Rosella May was her name, and she has May in one of her middle names. Just a, a very kind-hearted, uh, loving woman was in church. But she had a sister, and her sister was named Donna. And Donna was in a sense something like we all can be with this lady before she encountered Jesus. It was all about seeing the black dot. And she saw nothing positive in her life. And Donna had a child, a boy. And he grew up and he got into trouble with drugs. And he went to jail. He's still there. He will never get out. He's been in and out for a long time and they just, it's done. He will, he will never get out of jail. And a couple years later, after she had the son, she had a daughter. And the daughter lives uh, a couple hours from here, not close. And she has a, a life. She goes, she attends church. Her kids attend church. And now her grandkids are going to church. Donna didn't have the problem with that. Donna's issue is this. My Aunt Donna had never gotten married. And she had two kids. And she knew nothing of that. All she saw was, and I I, I remember, I was growing up, I would hear my dad talking to her about the love of God. And the only thing that I would hear my aunt say is, Steve, if there is any way, she goes, there's just not. There's no way that what I've done, God could ever forgive me for. What was Donna doing? Donna was doing what I talked about earlier. 
the connection doesn't want to do. Donna was dealing in the past. I can't get out of this rut. God will never look down on me and say, I love you after the things that I've done. And we go back to the video of the guy, the lady that's making the excuse, and she says, if you knew half the stuff that I've done, you would never let me in church. And the gentleman coming after that and said, if you knew half the stuff that I've done, you wouldn't be worried. <laughs> Thankfully, and by the hand of God, two days before my aunt, she had really bad diabetes, my dad went to visit her in the hospital, and two days before she died, she understood that. The very end, the very end, and I remember being on the outside in the hallway and I just started crying. And I couldn't see her. And she was hooked up to the machines and she could talk, but that's about it. And my dad explained the love, this love that God used when Jesus was talking to this woman and when he encountered just this, this love. And God, dad, not God, <laughs> dad was explaining this to my, to my aunt and she goes, Steve, do you really think? She goes, I would love, I would love to have a relationship with God, but do you think that he can see past what I did? And I heard my dad be very honest with her. And he talked about things with her that had happened in his life that God had forgiven him for. And he asked her, and he said, do you think that I have a relationship with God by just the way that I talk and the way I act? She goes, yeah. He goes, well, here's some of the things that God's forgiven me for, and he started to name them. He met her where she was. If you knew half the stuff that I've done, you wouldn't be worried. And I, I remember, out of, out, of, out of my memory, she said, there's no way that you did that. You're a good boy. The next words were, but I'm a broken person. I sin." Nothing can separate us from the love of God. At connection, I want you to hear this. At connection, we understand and accept you have a past. What we do here is we don't focus on that. We are very, 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 very interested, if you choose to be a part of us, where you're going this way. We are excited about your future. We're excited about one day you having your life changed by God, and one day you get to just express to someone, do you have any idea what God has done in my life? Do you have any idea where God has brought me out of the pit of and where I stand now? Do you have any idea of how I used to treat my mate and how I treat them now? Do you have any idea how I didn't used to have a relationship with my kids, but you should see the way we jump on the trampoline now? That's what we're interested in. When the gentleman come in and threw the lady down, there was no expression needed other than guilty. You and I are that same person. Not the same thing. We're the same person. It starts with the same letter. Sin is a sin is a sin. And the things that we do that we need to work on, we have to remember that no matter what we've done, no, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for connection. We thank you for the teachers, and we thank you for the band, we thank you for the leaders that sacrificed their time, their energy, their money, their gas. God, the use of their vehicles to transport things, the use of their tools to fix things, the use of their mind to give new ideas and fresh opportunities to people. We thank you for technology, we thank you for the people that run it. We thank you for the lights, we thank you for the carpet. God, we thank you for this building. But it's just a building. God, but what we just get on our hands and knees and thank you for this morning is how you are still in the business of changing people's life. 
God, may we understand what true compassion and what true love is. May we give of ourselves as we go out this weekend. We live in love like Jesus. In your son's perfect and holy name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.